is Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com. Coming soon to iOS and Android. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Happy Wine Wednesday, everybody. This is a very special episode of The Swirl Suite. We had a watch party yesterday. We tried to go live with it, but there are a lot of rules that we didn't realize. So um, YouTube pulled us down from our live event and uh, we went live on Facebook after we watched the show Man Fire Food with our special guest, Dr. Howard Conyers. So we talked about barbecue. We talked about wine. Dr. Conyers not only is a pit master, but he's a rocket scientist. You heard me right. He is a rocket scientist who is a pit master and he studies barbecue in the black culture. We talked a lot about family history and after some back and forth, we found out Janine and Glennis might be cousins. We talk about everything from pigs to cows to chitlins to sides, types of coleslaw. Definitely going to make you hungry. It's going to make you want to eat and drink. We start out with introductions and then that leads to the after show discussion. Let us know what you think. I'm Dr. Howard Conyers, um, originally from Manhattan, South Carolina, also known as a pit master rocket scientist. I'm an aerospace engineer, testing rocket engineers at Center Space Center in Mississippi. Um, living currently in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I mean, I'm just uh, thankful to be on this opportunity because uh, alcohol and, and beverage has a, a very close relationship with the whole uh, barbecue culture. And that's something we don't really talk about a lot, but um, we need to get more into that. And after the show, I definitely have some thoughts. So like, I want to talk to you all about like, the, wine, the wineries or distilleries or breweries, like I'm seeing there's a lot of brands, but I haven't seen there's a lot of actual producers. And I think there's a difference in that conversation. And I think we have to get back to that because we were producers mm-hmm. uh, prior to coming to the United States, as well as we were producers in the American South where I'm from, uh, whether it was a Muscadine wine or a Scuppernaw. So I just want to have a conversation with you all, but I want to also have a fun time talking about this show, Man Fire Food, when I was on for 30 minutes, so. All right. Thanks. And and I'm drinking Pinot Noir for you all. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. We have another guest, Janine. How are you? Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a while since I've seen anybody outside of the internet, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm Jimmy Copeland. Um, I am a, well, right now, I guess I'm kind of figuring out what it is that I'm doing. Um, I finished a wine bar in Washington, D.C. for two years. And prior to that, I um, was just working in restaurants around the city that were very highly decorated. So um, I'm trying to figure out how to pivot outside of the restaurant industry while still working with food and beverage and culture because that's what I really enjoy. 
Um, and most recently, or the most recent project that I'm working on is a um, collaborative journal. Um, the journal that I'm working on is entitled FOH, um, F Out of Here. And it's a collaborative journal of Black hospitality workers' experiences. I feel like we go through so much and through our stories, we are always just finding another way. And when I was young in this industry or even just two years ago before I got the chance to meet some of my colleagues, I was like, I'm never gonna be able to get out of this. If I talk about my experiences, I'll never be able to come out of them. So I just want people to have that, that space to talk about what they've gone through. We definitely gonna ask more questions after the show. Yeah, okay. looking forward to seeing that. And what Leslie? are you drinking, Janine? Oh, what are you drinking, Janine? So it's the Calabretta. It's from um, Etna. Um, it's a rosado, some roasted strawberry smoky things going. So I figured it would be good for the barbecue episode. Glennis, hey. Hey, what's happening? Introduce yourself um, to the people. Hey. Hi, people. This is Glennis Vino Noir. Um, all things wine love wine Ari wine on facebook as well vino noir facebook instagram twitter and um loving the idea of talking about barbecue right now as it's warming up outside and folks getting back to a new norm so i am drinking a in honor of this of dr connor's i'm drinking a sparkling shiraz I don't know. It's Ooh. Paringa. So I don't know what meats he's going to cook. So I said, let me just do the Shiraz, but it's too hot for me because I have hot flashes, y'all. <laughs> so I was not doing a Barolo or Bordeaux. <laughs> I needed something with a little chill on it that can handle whatever barbecue he's going to talk about because I don't know what his, what his spice rub's going to be like or whether he's going to have them or not. So I figured I'd play it safe and I just wanted y'all to see the Look how dark that is. That is pretty. That's Ooh. the sparkling Shiraz. I love that. Mm. Mm. I am Leslie Freelo with um, Vino 301. I had to think for a minute. Um, <laughs> and I am uh, all things Maryland wine. And I'm excited to say that we're going to start our tour soon okay. on the 20th. So. It'll be, it won't be at full capacity, but I'm excited to get back out there and start touring uh, Maryland Vineyards. And um, I am drinking a Margot tonight. Oh, nice. Very nice. And I figured I'd Ooh. bring out the big guns. And so it is a Cab Sauv and uh, Merlot blend. I have some napkins in case you start perspiring. I, exactly. <laughs> Hello. Hey, hey, hey Tanisha. It's Tanisha. All things, since we want all things, the type of wine, all things French wine. And um, I'm coming to y'all live with my satin bonnet. And I'm um, looking forward to hearing what y'all all say before I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're keeping it real. Mm -hmm. Hey, y'all. I'm Sarita. Um, follow me at Vine Me Up everywhere on social media. Mm, since I'm, we've been in the quarantine, I've been cooking a lot on Instagram and pairing wine on social media. Um, my blog is Vine Me Up, so you can follow that too. 
Um, and we are happy to be here with Dr. Conyers to talk barbecue. Oh, okay. So I guess I didn't say where I, I didn't say where I went to school. I know Janine not gonna like this, but I went to North Carolina A&T undergrad. Oh my! Aggie Pride. Thank you, Aggie Pride. You know, you know, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. I, I don't know if y'all are real You know. And then, you know, I got to make sure I represent HBC, HBCUs first, and then uh, I went to Duke for a master's and PhD in mechanical engineering. So um, oh, no, that's a little no. bit about my background. Are you going to talk about how you got into barbecue on the show? Or are you going to tell us after the uh, show? No, no I, I better tell y'all now. So okay. I learned about barbecue as a child. My father, I learned from my father. Every probably since like three or four years old, I was following my father around the barbecue pit itself, cooking whole hog barbecue. Mm -hmm. I, so I live on a family farm in South Carolina. And in my community where we grew up in South Carolina, we were probably cooking at least 200 years. Uh, throughout slavery in the community, but I have traced the barbecue culture that black people have been cooking pretty much American, this style of barbecue that I'm cooking on the show tonight uh, in the same manner since about, about 350 to 400 years. So this barbecue tradition that I preserve and carry forward, is, it went almost parallel to America's growth uh, even before it became the United States of America. So uh, when it was cooking on uh, plantations or politics, political rallies in Virginia in the 1619-1620 time frame. You had enslaved Africans and they were digging these pits that, in the ground that you would see. And when you, when you see the show tonight, you'll see like a one hog pit in there, but I will allude to it as like my ancestors cooked uh, long trenches and with media, they don't like, this particular media show, they allowed us to use the word slave, enslaved. So uh, we use ancestors, but uh, that is how old this tradition is. And so as we're in this moment with like Black Lives Matter and all this, like with racism, even though it was a very harsh time in America, a lot of great things that influenced America and the world came out of it. And barbecue was in the pot, in the, it was in the process as America was doing this particular culture. It was also a form of passive resistance. Now, what I mean by passive resistance, sometimes enslaved Africans would steal pigs off the plantation and go into the woods and cook barbecue in the pit, just like I described. It may be one pit, one pig for one pit for themselves so they can have some kind of outlet. Right. And they'll usually be down in the woods. And so when you see this episode tonight, it really kind of dr drive that home because a lot of people haven't seen this style of pit cooking and probably in American My father stopped cooking like this in, I think, in the, mid in the 70s. I wasn't even born when, the, when, I was, when they were doing it like this. So uh, when I went back and did it on my barbecue journey, I knew I had, but my father told me everything I learned about barbecue came from this approach. It was stuff we did it above ground. And so I wanted America to know what black people contri contributed to society. And I wanted to go back to this uh, moment. So there would be a receipt somewhere for a lot of younger people to understand what this barbecue is all about. Also white people to understand what this barbecue is all about because we don't get the due credit that we deserve for it. And, um, when I brought this back out of my community, basically out my father's head because we didn't have any pictures, that kind of, um, that's why this is really important. So this is the episode we shot in uh, Dockville, Louisiana, which is about 30, about 15 minutes outside of New Orleans, right on the Mississippi River. So guys, this was the watch party portion of the show that I cut out. It was a little too much um, in the background, a little too much editing. It just wasn't going to sound good on the podcast. But here is the discussion after we watched the show. Cheers. Oh, it's 
interesting, um, Howard, my mother's side of the family is from Wallace, North Carolina, which is on the coast between Wilmington, about 40 miles north of Wilmington. And in my lifetime, I've seen pigs cooked in a pit. And um, it's a slightly different pit. Because um, I think if oh, I remember, I was a little girl. So now this could be just my imagination. Because I was <laughs> coming from the north down to the south, seeing this whole animal. So it to me, I thought the what my uncle was doing, he had it because he had a big farm. And he set it up where the pig was still in the ground, but he could rotate it. I was like, and he was just inventive. He was doing some old. I mean, I, so I'm going to tell you, you never know if he was rotating. I mean, black farmers, I'm assuming he was a farmer. Like, they're the oh, most so. resourceful. They were mm -hmm. the most, they don't know, the best engineers that we probably ever exactly. have had without without any education. So exactly. he could have possibly been rotating, but, or when you came around to see it, he maybe was rotating it. Oh, okay, okay. Because, you know, I wasn't trying to be out there too long. You, you probably wasn't out there the whole time. You probably you ain't never lied. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, you ain't never lied. And I had another question for you, because North Carolina, um, well, barbecue is different geographically anyway. The sauces. Um, Carolina is very vinegar-based with not a lot of extra anything in it. It's vinegar and just spices in their barbecue altogether. So you said you put... Let's talk about that. That's a good, that's a great point. Let's exactly. talk about it. It's totally different. So all jokes aside, barbecue across the American South was all the same up to about the 1950s and 1960s. Exactly. Especially in rural areas, because every place where slavery went, they were using what you could call in Eastern North Carolina vinegar pepper-based barbecue sauce. That's exactly what my family does. <laughs> and so in a, in an area like in my county, once you get on the other half of my county, they go to a vinegar pepper-based barbecue sauce, and it has like vinegar, black pepper, red pepper. They put a exactly. little bit of sugar in there, and, and that's, that's the base. That's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. I mean, some families may put a little other stuff in there, but I'm not going to give out their secrets. Secrets, but right. They, I, 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 <laughs> But that's that was that basic recipe was seen all over the South, and you were, some people call that a mop recipe, and some guys you may see apply it with a mop right. throughout the cooking mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. And the sauce recipe I did I had on that show was in my community about ninety something years. Okay. And what happened? What I imagine happened is as more commercial things come on the market, such as ketchup, uh, mustard. People start right. saying, you know what, let me add these things to the sauce pot. So we still uh, have vinegar, we still have black pepper, we still have uh, red pepper. We still have no other elements in there, but we put other things on top of it. Okay. And that's how you got it. But, and so the recipe you, your family was cooking then with that vinegar pepper-based barbecue sauce, mm -hmm. that recipe is like 400 years old. Yep. Um, uh, it was interesting. You have touched on so much because when when you first said the generations are not that far removed i told it you know the swirl sweet this my aunt my mother's my great aunt my grandmother's sister just passed shy of six months shy of her 110th birthday so her mother mother well all, her aunts and them were slaves so when so when i say it's one or two generations removed it's because I can actually 
Lay hands on someone. You could have laid hands on it. I mean, you're, yeah. I mean, six months six months ago, your mom was a national treasure. I mean, all, all your grandma. Yes, yes, indeed, she was on there. I mean, that's a national treasure. I mean, that's a national treasure. I mean, I I hope your family got some oral recordings from her. Oh yeah, we yeah, we tried. We. we Ooh, we got some things we don't want to release either because her brothers, I mean, she still has her brother and sisters who are living. And Uncle Willis is 98, and the baby girl is 88. And that's all from that Wallace. Again, bar that barbecue, that farm cooking, those sweet potatoes, those melons. That we need to get back to that as a people. We, we need to we, we need to get back to that. And so in this culture of barbecue like that, your your family. Somebody in your community probably had moonshine or yeah. stump hole liquor that or corn liquor. That was for the little kids. The moonshine for the, the women and a little honey. <laughs> what, do call, what do they call a hot toddy now? Hot toddy. Now call they hot. call a hot toddy. Like, <laughs> like this cough syrup and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and sweat that coal out. Is it sweat that Get under the coat. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm country. I'm going to tell you I'm country. I mean, I, I'm an engineer, but I, I was raised in the old Southern ways. But we need to get back to those kind of ways as a people. And so since this is with the swine, the wine industry, like how people used to make wine, used to make liquor, used to make beer. Like you probably, your family probably in Wallace, North Carolina, making muscadine and scuppernong wine. Scuppernong, Somebody in the community. Exactly. Exactly. I know. Uh, some people, uh, some people so call it bullets. Very high in antioxidants. And, you know, in the wine industry now, since it's so foo foo she she's a little too sweet for people. <laughs> but it's so it's so much more healthier. I mean, that scuppernog grape is unbelievable. It's because of the skin. The skin is so very thick, and the antioxidants are very concentrated in those. And and also, I think we should get into because our culture. I mean, like I know, like you got certain geographic bands, like the like Oregon and like Vermont. They Oregon. certain grapes go better in different it's locations. Certain. But for the culture, the African American culture. We need to grow. We need to make wines up from some of those ingredients and actually sell those wines, not just we make them in our homes, but actually sell those wines. Because uh, mm -hmm. the grapes, I mean, I love the grapes because some people call them bullets. We used to call some of those grapes bullets. Because you squeeze them, they shoot out like a bullet. <laughs> yeah, and they were big. They were some were like big and black. They're big grapes. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, curious to know that. I mean, those are like real memories. Like food brings us all together. Can you probably think, like, why did I did not know that it'd be the same way? Um, the reason I also think those barbecue traditions lasted, and the it it was a sense of community. It wasn't like right. an everyday thing. It brought the whole family together. And most of the time, I don't know how many aunts and uncles you have, but it was, they were large families. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And it's it, it it's really all about, you know, from an economic standpoint, because I've had this conversation with um, a lot of Hugh people <laughs> about why, um, so y'all eat chicken. Understand the economics behind it. You could take a chicken, cut it up and feed a family. Unlike you getting one little piece of steak and the father is the only one that can eat it. No, you need to feed Uncle Joe, maybe Auntie, the kids, cousins might stop over. And then when you, you finish with the chicken, you put that bone in that pot and you make it soup. It's about you make a soup with some kind of rice dish, stretching it, stretching it out. 
There you go. Eating the chicken oh, back and everything. Not just eat. Not just eating exactly. the, the leg quarters, the wings, the you eat the chicken right. back. You eat, I mean, you eating all of it. You eat right. Nothing going to waste. It's um, it's all about yeah, it gives it. It's all about everything. economics. And, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, what, what is surprising when I think about people from that era and before me is we kind of have more today as a people. Right. But we sometimes have less. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, in this moment, People was going to stockpile food, but I'm pretty sure, like, when COVID first started, everybody trying to go stop their freezers. Exactly. And, and, and I guarantee you, our grandparents and parents, you're, I mean, they were not stocking their freezers in the, during the Great Depression. They mm -hmm. they knew what they had. They maybe was like, we may have no money, but we had food. As long right. as we got dirt, as long as we got land, we got food. Right, right. Exactly. Um, and so that's kind of... That is a sad thing that we don't, we now currently can't kind of feed ourselves with that, if it ever got down to that uh, necessity as a people. It, that whole foods. It's so true. That is so true. Because now I'm thinking about my, I, on my mother's, my, my father's side, and you talked about making some bean soup and some onion soup, which is now a daggone delicacy. We don't have no money, but we can feed you. I can make a soup out of anything, is what my aunt would say. And make it right on a little stove, right in the middle. It didn't even have to be a stove like a GE stove. I'm talking about the stove heater that would heat kerosene. make. I was like, what is going on here? But it's your. That's what they did, or they had a fireplace in the house. They could they put a pot right there on the fireplace and they slow cook all day. Yeah. Um, yes, indeed. But no, I think we kind of have to get back to something. We can't go back there, but there's some things we could learn from them going right. forward. They're a sense of community. Um, and in the midst of COVID, I was thinking a lot about that in particular. Um, I also was thinking about this whole wine industry. I was thinking about the distillery industry. I was thinking about the, the brewery industry. I'm seeing all these lists, these lists of like breweries, distilleries. And when you look at who they are, they look like they're, they're brand names. And what I mean by brand names, I don't know if they actually own the venues. Right. And beta, it almost like they you buy a wine and they and they made it in somebody else's facility and they just put their label on it and say this is my wine. They're buying there's the value. Juice. I, they're buying the juice. They're yeah, buying, they're the, buying juice. the juice or they're mm -hmm. buying. I mean, there's a couple of different ways it happens. Either you you're buying the juice, you're buying the grapes, and then pressing it yourself. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the times, because of uh, economics. We're buying ready-made juice, and it's juice that they didn't want to use for their own label. So they're selling it to, you know, whoever. I mean, you add, you, I mean, you can add whatever to wine and make it taste like you want to. So you add a little sugar here, some half there, and then now you've got this product that tastes complete, but it's not an agricultural product anymore. It's processed. Right. right. Okay. Right. So, 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 so the capital to actually have the winery is very, the actual vineyard itself is really expensive. Yeah, so even like in, out to buy land and then also be able to upkeep the vines on it is very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. Even if you look in France, that's why they have like negotiant systems. Um, mm -hmm. Out in California, they do similar practices. Mm -hmm. So I'm just thinking like about Southern, like Southern wine, that land is, you know, they don't like us to have land. So I'm like, you know, it's expensive. <laughs> but we got, hey. I, I mean, they don't like us to have it, but we do have it, and some some of us do have it. If we, we we need to get some more. Like I'm all about getting more. Like um, 
Right. On my Instagram my page right now. I was like, let's you yeah. can just live on it for me. It'll but be I great. Think there's, I think there's, I think there's a lot of opportunity that people aren't aware of, and um, that a lot of federal and state um, organizations have that same concern of keeping agriculture growing and going. So there's opportunity there to to receive funding to um, continue to grow stuff. And there's, there's a number of organizations that are just grape growers that people could start to participate in just to grow the grape. And then eventually they could start to make their own wine. Mm-hmm. Okay. The people just, that information isn't shared. Let me say that. Um, it's not only that it's not shared, but I, I think what also happens, and you kind of touched on it, is the fact that the opportunities and grants for farmers, that process is not shared with people of color. And I see it every day on a different standpoint of how certain individuals get grants for certain things and know the process of getting the grant and the technicalities of making sure your package moves past quote unquote the phase one part of it and a lot of black farmers have been like everything else have been disenfranchised out of the multi-million dollars that the USDA gives and that they give to farmers that's why they're losing plus, plus the turnaround time right like I mean I'm not, from what I've gathered from the farmers that I have like been able to hear from is that the loans are like there's a quick turnaround time on when you need to pay them back but grapevines from planting to like when you are getting producible fruit takes like a year or two before you're even getting your first like Mm -hmm. usable grapes so a lot of the time it's not it's it's just not you don't have that much time to work with wow when you're working with some of these these um like you need a product quicker exactly so i know some people will start off buying juice and then turn into their own vines you know or You'll start okay. off with yeah, okay, so that, you might so make a white whiskey and then you'll move into your age stuff because you just need to get it off the you need to start getting some return. You, 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 you got you gotta start returning some money. You need to right. start money mm-hmm. get some money in. So I, I guess that makes sense. But well, I, I was just curious because we, we did all these things. We mm-hmm. were doing it illegally, but we did it. Yes. <laughs> um right. I, I taught them how to do it. How we taught them how to do it. And they didn't, they didn't be do real. Exactly. They weren't doing anything. <laughs> If they weren't doing anything, they were sitting their ass in the about, house. I think about Thomas Jefferson and how he brought wine to Virginia and all that stuff. Now, we know Thomas Jefferson was not picking his own grapes. He wasn't doing nothing. He wasn't doing nothing. So it's I'm like, his slaves were definitely producing doing the wine work. that was made on that estate. And I'm like, I would, I would, I just, I'm, I'm looking for this information. I haven't found the information I'm looking for yet. But that just... Yeah, we, we, we'll we talk offline, Janine, on something. I actually, but I will tell you something I'm doing in regards to that. Um, I'm growing a corn that's about, me and my father growing a corn that's about 200 years old. Is they, Thomas Jefferson helped bring this corn to this particular region in Virginia. Oh, wow. And we're growing that this year. Yay. Uh, growing it in South Carolina. So for a special project, I can't, I can't wait this. 
Y'all hear about it. If y'all follow me on Instagram or something, y'all see like pictures of my father planting corn and stuff like that. But it's a very special project I'm working on this year. And uh, hopefully it'll be ready toward the end of the year in some way, shape, or form. But uh, we we got to do that kind of stuff. But since y'all want to talk about grilling and barbecue, what I will say is um, there's a couple of drinks that go well with barbecue. And we also talk about like what meat, what alcoholic beverages go with certain meats. If like for whole hog growing up, when we cook whole hog barbecue, we primarily had uh, the two things. We weren't really drinking wine. People, I was too young, so I wasn't drinking wine. But uh, I see the men in the, I see the adult men drinking moonshine, um, because that's what was very. It, it always was there, or they drink beer. Right. So, like, when you pe- people see, like, this craft beer, craft distillery movement with uh, barbecue, that was just a reimagining of, of what we already had done in our community, in the African-American community. But when you see people doing this um, craft beer, craft distilling, and craft barbecue, or modern barbecue, that's just a, it was black folk, if you look, the foundation of it based on black folks' culture and tradition. Right. Um, when I think about grilling, like, uh, chicken is a perfect thing for like wine. Uh, fish is, uh, probably more of a white wine though. Um, for fish, mm-hmm. but Janine might have a better suggestion on like what you would have, want to have with a fish. I'm just thinking, cause you, you, it's not just it being fish. Like it's got all that smoke to it too. So you want to be able to have something hold up to it. So you could do a dark rosé, a light red. I would definitely want something with a chill on it. But I mean, I think we often think fish, what, red meat, red. Like we, but there's so much room you could play with in between there. You can also play oh, with rosé, oh. depending on That's what, what break. Yeah. Like a rosé. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. And I um, guess I need to I need to have good wine consultants on my team. <laughs> <laughs> so I know and which what things I need to pair. Bubbles. Don't forget the bubbles. Don't forget yes. the bubbles. Oh my gosh, bubbles with some um some what's it called? What's a pork rinds with pork some? Rinds. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, we supposed yeah. to do we supposed to do that too. God, I would go with like the saltier pork rinds. Like we used to have this dish called like um pork rinds. We we it'd be pork rinds and then we would serve it with like the barbecue sauce I have. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what kind of wine that would go well with. That would be yeah, I think it'd be barbecue sauce. I was say, but I'm just thinking about it. I'm like crunchy, salty. I just right. always go sparkling. It's like French fries, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's the uh, mm. barbecue sauce. Is it like a brown sugar in it, or is it a vinegar base? Base, right? It's more, it's more vinegar. Like, like mm-hmm. sugar in barbecue sauce. In the, like I would say in the Carolinas, sugar in the barbecue sauce in Carolina is not really heavy. Right. It's more so. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give people a tip. Like sugar is the. People, I use this word twang. People say sugar cut the twang. Right. Yeah, like you know what that word is. <laughs> I do. <Yeah. laughs> I, I do. Janine, you know what you know what that word My is? My daddy is you from heard? North Carolina. My whole dad's okay. side of the family is from down there. So I know okay. a little twang, I, a little kick. I know all the another thing. Okay. I, okay. All right. I don't wanna I, I mean, I just wanna make sure I wanna I wanna make sure we try translate the language if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you put a little sugar just to cut the twanginess of the vinegar. Mm-hmm. Right. The more sugar you add, the more you cut it. 
Um, that's the reason sometimes people put a little bit of uh, sugar in there, a little, just a tea, a little bit of sugar in the collard greens, but not a whole lot. But just to cut the vinegar, sometimes people put vinegar in collard greens. So, right. but you do the same I'm, thing I'm, in barbecue I'm, sauce. But I don't put sugar. I love the twang. <laughs> I after, know. I eat, after, after I cook the collard, or my mom cooked the collards, I cooked the collards. I put the vinegar on top of the collards. There you go. I'm not cutting yeah. the twang. I like the vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> a little spicy vinegar too. Put some pepper, pepperinos in there. Make it a little. The pepper, yeah. Delicious. Uh, what yeah, what so, sides? What sides do y'all like with y'all barbecue? What sides we like with barbecue? So uh, when we were cooking barbecue, we would have uh, something called hash and rice. Um, but basically, that was like the head and some of the organ meat cooked down into like a meat gravy. Uh, the other sides we have would be um, collard greens so, or some kind of greens. It kind of depends on the, the time of the year, though. But we have the mac and cheese, um, potato salad. But kind of in my family, when we cooked the hog, we had certain family members did certain dishes. We kind of... Yeah. It was kind of it was kind of divide and conquer, but also like certain family members. Like I had an aunt; she was the aunt that cooked the greens. Like yeah. that just that be me. That was her specialty. <laughs> that was her specialty. You know, that like was that was her. And somebody else bring it, you'd be like, no, no, that don't work. Um, it's auntie. Since we grew, we would go uh, candy yams. Yeah. Um, that was a popular side. Let's see what was other sides when we did barbecue. Sometimes we would do butter beans and okra. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> why, why you look like that? Why you look because like that? I can stand <laughs> okra. My aunt, I told, I was like, please make me a sucker task because we did butter beans and corn, and she would have to make me a pot without the okra because I couldn't get the okra. <laughs> that was just me, and she would tell everybody. Glenn is coming from New Jersey. Don't eat this pot right here. So, I mean, that was kind of outside. Sometimes we would do string beans. Uh, sometimes we do okra. Okra and peas or like crowder peas. Um, mm-hmm. I hate shelling peas to this day, but... Say it. That um, is what it is. I hate it. I mean, if I ever get money and I and somebody farming, I'm going to buy a, sheep pel- uh, a pea sheller because that my fingernails good. hurt sitting on the porch with my grandmother's house. I mean, I'm glad I didn't have to do it every day, but I don't like that. Um, <laughs> that's real. Yes, I'm just is. telling you the truth. Yes, for sure. um, the other sides we probably have are just maybe stuffing on occasion. Um, growing up, we when Thanksgiving came around, like we never, turkey was like a secondary item in my community. We uh, primary whole hog was always the main holiday meal. If we cooked the whole turkey, it was cooked on the on the barbecue pit, mm-hmm. kind of uh, at the head of the hog. So we took the head off, so we would put the hog in that place, so we don't have to cook in the oven. Mm-hmm. Uh, for dessert, we kind of had uh, it kind of it was kind of seasonal. It could have been blackberry cobbler, uh, mm-hmm. peach cobbler. If we went to the orchards, uh, pound cake, chocolate cake. We have a cake called jelly cake. Um, Sweet potato pie, coconut pies. Got to have a sweet potato pie. Got to have a sweet potato pie. Um, that was, those are kind of the primary uh, desserts. Uh, sometimes we'll have tea cakes. With mm. this, uh, but it, it just all depends. It just all depends on the time of the year and who who was coming to the table, what aunts and uncles was coming to the table. Um, 
because the, the, like everybody got I me, mean, certain family members just got certain dishes, and that just exactly that's true. It's it just part of the culture. I mean, right? I, yeah, my mom could cook all those dishes, but for the family gatherings, everybody kind of take a take responsibility okay. and kind of help it, so it'll be all a burden on one person. So that's kind of what a barbecue would be like in my house. And, and they, well, let me say this: when I said barbecue in South Carolina, where I'm from, people expect to see the whole hog. They didn't expect to see no ribs. They didn't expect to see no chicken. <laughs> right, 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 right. They, they didn't expect to see no hot dogs or hamburgers. They expect to see a whole hog, and they expect to see like they want to see something called a skin on the hog. Like we were crisp the yeah. skin crackling. on the pit. It's the crackling. Well, that's the crackling, but we call it skin, but most that's the, the sophisticated term, crackling. That's the educated term. I guess I, when you get a when you get that BS degree or MS or PhD or whatever degrees y'all have, you start turning crackling. But I, I keep it I keep it real. I mean, don't let, just because I got a PhD in engineering, don't get it twisted. I'm from the country, so. I got to go back into that same community when I talk about this. Yeah, culture. I know that's right. <laughs> Degrees don't matter. Go ahead, babe. All I'll say when I go back to South Carolina, where I'm from, degrees and titles don't matter. Yes, if we got to get on the tractor, we got to go cut grass. It's just part of it. Part of um, two sides he didn't really mention, which happens, and Janine, you could probably test testify to this. In Carolina, when you're talking about barbecue, it's barbecue, pulled pork, which is pulled pork for those who don't really understand. Because when you say barbecue to some okay, um, okay. audiences, All right. I, I left that out. So, yeah. So, when you talk about the pulled pork, chicken, hush puppies, and coleslaw is not Carolina. And coleslaw. And then you make the little sandwich, you put it all up. Yeah, we don't in, in South Carolina. Puppies. We don't do yeah. we don't do cold. That's we don't do North North Carolina. Carolina. I'm proud. Not, not Carolina. on the sandwich. We don't. That's a more of a North, North Carolina, Carolina thing. Like yeah. we don't yeah. do the coleslaw on the sandwich. We would do a coleslaw on the side, or maybe hush puppies on the side, but we don't do it on the sandwich. Um, See, it, it, some do and some don't because I don't like it messy like that. So I ain't doing no sandwich like that anyway because it's gonna make my bread wet. Then I'm not gonna eat it because I don't like consistency. Because that's me. However. I will do some chicken and coleslaw, but the coleslaw, oh, oh my God, and hush puppies. That was, that, that was a new, the coleslaw thing was a new thing to me when I went to A&T. I'm like, what y'all talking about? Okay, coleslaw huh? on, on barbecue sandwiches, and then they also had it on, uh, on hot dogs. Yeah, they put coleslaw on damn near everything. <laughs> I guess it's so. It's your vegetable. Got to get that cabbage in there. Got to get that cabbage in there. Okay, I, t- I, get, I take that. <laughs> so is it's a coleslaw vinegar or mayonnaise base? Um, for me, it's, oh, it's it's ma- mayonnaise base. Um, but That's I like a sour cream base coleslaw. I never mm. had that before. That's I never bad. had that one before. Mm. Okay. Uh-huh. I've had vinegar, sour cream. I like I like vinegar because that's like Amish because they don't they can't keep it cool. So, but okay. I don't like mayonnaise. But, I don't like mayonnaise either. So the vinegar base right. and sour cream is delicious, um, but the mayonnaise definitely 
Yeah, because most coastal I remember was mayonnaise based. It's mayonnaise based. Yeah, ours is mayonnaise based, but I feel like it always had a little something to it. So I feel like it had a little bit of vinegar in it, like just to. Yeah, sometimes people a little vinegar, sometimes people like a little scoop of mustard in there just to kind of. Mm hmm. Me and my friend were literally just talking about this earlier today. Like, (laughs) how you make your potato salad? How you make your coleslaw? (laughs) But you don't eat everybody's potato salad. No. No, you don't eat everybody's potato salad. I'm sorry. No, That's no, no. <laughs> it's almost like like you don't eat. It's not religion. I eat chip. I'm gonna say it like this. I eat chitlins, but I don't eat everybody's chitlins because I need to know whoever cooked the chitlins. I need to know y'all clean the chitlins. See, I don't. I know eat, some I of y'all parents. Yeah, you could judge. Time. You could judge me, Janine. I don't eat chitlins. I don't let everybody have. <laughs> I've never had chitlins, but I made a point. Um, a year, I said like a year ago, I was like, that's mad disrespectful. Like, who I think I am? I'm going to try some chitlins because I want them to be good. So I got to know. I'm going to try it. I ain't I'm going to tell you, you got to make sure the person, you got to know, you got to trust the person though. Because they got to clean those chitlins. Yes, indeed. You got to know they clean, don't, just because they say pre-clean chitlins, that means you still got to clean them though. You got to clean you, them again still, and again. And I don't yeah, need to be clean. made in my house. Like, I need to oh, no, 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 no. make them <laughs> and then, like, bring them to me and then I will eat them. <laughs> so, yeah, hey, that's I my get plan. Cause, but I want to try it because I feel like it's just I'm like that. Yeah. Yeah. I ate chillings as a kid. Like, we ate them as a kid. Um, with hot sauce and vinegar. They tend to. Yep, hot sauce and vinegar. Yeah, I don't really know how to describe it, but I know that smell and the taste. It's a, I can, you can I smell, can it, smell it right mm-hmm. now thinking about it. It's yeah. just shitty. Yeah. It's just shitty. Shit. I'm not eating. <laughs> shit. That's called a sh- piece of shit. <laughs> the, 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 the reason I bring that up, all jokes aside, I, bring, I brought that up because when people was on the farm and they killing these animals, they use every part of the animal. Yes. And yes, we kind of got away from that practice. There, there was no part of the animal that was really wasted years ago, yeah. and so I think I think I just want to kind of remind people that you have to kind of remember that animal gave us like well, usually we had no other source of like meat, and mm-hmm. so when they kill an animal, they using everything whether it was a liver, like liver and grits. This is not barbecue related, but like one of my favorite things when we used to kill hogs was like barbecue, I mean rice and liver or grits and liver. As they say, from um, the Rudy to the Tootie, he got cooked. He got dirty cooked. Right. And that's the, the thing that always right. um, yep. surprised me about like this new age food world or whatever. A lot of the traditions that they talk about, like we eat from the land. If we kill an animal, we're eating the whole thing. Like when we couldn't afford animals, we were eating veggie-based diet. So it's like like pork or food, like the, the meat was actually like more of a seasoning than than the main event so it just yeah, it always the main surprised event. me that we're like left out of this like you know farm to table kind of conversation when we created mm. yeah no we, we created a farm to table we we, yeah. we were almost vegetarian we were almost vegetarians to be truthful yeah exactly poor folks was almost vegetarian whatever came out the garden that's what they was eating whether it was okra peas squash cucumber uh watermelon um yep Corn, peanuts. I mean, peanut. Oh yeah, peanut. Boiled peanuts. Yeah. I mean, the one, the thing I hate. I think the other thing I hate the most growing up. I'm, we used to like pick pecans and shell pecans in oh, the winter. The in the winter time. Yes. I used to 
Our Christmas. Those we used to get nuts for Christmas. <laughs> we used to before Christmas. Tangerines. That was my Tangerine. dad's thing. Like he would be like, "I need a bowl." Tangerine of nuts. and nuts. I'm like, "Why is this in the stocking?" Because that's what you get in your stocking. <laughs> that's what you get. It was, it, like it hurts when they get, when Christmas time come around. You get a little bag with like orange, an uh, orange an apple, and oh. a little like hard candy. Oh, yeah, y'all bad? What? That was in no, the stocking? <laughs> no. That was in the church. Those were what they could afford. It's just passed <laughs> down, you know. <laughs> I I I'm giving y'all a, I mean, I know this is a wine conversation, but I wanted to give y'all a little bit of culture since y'all asked sure. me to call. No, go for no, it. We I love it. it. We love it. I love y'all, but it's I got to go because I have another conversation. I think a lot of people are starting to celebrate Juneteenth this year. Um, Mm-hmm. Growing up, I ain't never honestly. I ain't know about Juneteenth holiday. Never heard of it. I don't know if it wasn't. I know it started in Texas, but I never heard of it in South Carolina where I was from. I don't think until I was in college did I hear about Juneteenth. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that's kind of when I heard about Juneteenth. I mm-hmm. read this book. I, mean, but I think it's, I think it's an important Lilac. holiday we need to celebrate. It it. There. I, mm. I do believe it's a holiday we do we do need to start celebrating. I think we need to start celebrating Juneteenth more personally than the Fourth of July. Oh sure. And and the reason I would say that for African Americans is like Juneteenth is a holiday for us. Like Fourth of July is a holiday for the country. But if you look at the history of the Fourth of July and the barbecue culture, like if you go back to 1776. Who was cooking the, they, the enslaved Africans? Our enslaved ancestors were cooking the barbecue for their white plantation owners, and um, that is why the Fourth of July is a very uh, barbecue-heavy um, holiday in this country, and also particularly in our community because of that long-lasting legacy. But they don't. A lot of people in our community don't realize how far back it goes, mm. and they was cooking doing those. Fourth of July holidays, they was cooking in those long trenches that I'm talking about. They would kill how many animals they need to cook, kill, cook, whether it's um, hogs, goats, sheep, lamb, cows. It's, it just all depends. But barbecue, and they would cook them whole. They would cook them whole. And uh, growing up, pretty much the only animals that I experienced people cooking up was pretty much just hogs and um Chicken. So when I went to, into the literature, I started seeing the other animals. The other animals, the only animals that I saw in the literature that I didn't cook growing up, I never cooked the lamb growing up and I never cooked the whole cow growing up. Mm-hmm. But to complete this barbecue narrative, the dark barbecue journey for me, I wanted to under, I wanted to cook those animals. And so I went back and cooked a lamb, a goat, and I cooked the cow. And I would call it, I would kind of say the cow is the holy grail, mm-hmm. a whole cow. Wow. Um, really? I want to take that. <laughs> how heavy yeah. was that? that? I know that had to be how heavy. Yeah, how long did that take? And how big of a hole did you have? Right. Oh, I did. Oh, I built that above ground. I built oh, that. That was okay. above ground pit. Okay. I'll give okay. her say that's a tomb if you had to do that joker underground. I was. I wasn't digging the hole. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you do that to pay reference to the past, but you do better when you can. So. Um, <laughs> There's a I, I hosted a, I hosted and co-produced a show with PBS called Nourish. And episode ten talk about me cooking a whole cow. Wow! Mm. And it talks about how I designed a pit and my father built the pit. Nice. They actually cook okay. it and so it'll rotate. You might really like this one. 
you might look at it, it may make you think about what your uh, father did in, or your grandfather did in North Carolina. North Carolina, okay. Okay, definitely. Hmm. Because, a... like, during the cook... Go ahead, sweetie. During the cooking process, I had to rotate the cow periodically. Not all the time, but periodically. Nice. So you mentioned earlier, and I, when, I, when I got off, I was like, God, I didn't get a chance to answer. You mentioned earlier that the show that we just watched lot did the watch party with you, said you couldn't use the word slave or enslaved. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this is Hollywood. I mean... <laughs> See, that's... <mass> media. <laughs> that cracks me up. I mean, it is what it is. A slave was a slave. So what word did you have to use? Exactly. Use ancestors. ancestors? They, so they told you ahead what of time they you can't you use the word well, slave? No, it, 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 like, so what y'all realize, like, some of the stuff is kind of like... It's not stripped it per se, but it, before <laughs> I do the show... They kind of walk you through, like they kind of know what we gonna say, right? Like right, 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 some, right, right, some right. things are kind of like, some things are kind of like off the cuff, uh-huh. but some things are kind of like we need those sound lines to carry because they know they got to get in a certain time frame, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, it's interesting how they don't want to say slave or enslaved people in America when stop trying to but act I, like but, it didn't exist. But but what I, would, what I would say. When I worked with PBS and um, public broadcasting station, I was able to use the word enslave on that series. Nurse, I wasn't, but like cooking channel and stuff like, like now they might with with this whole this whole protest and stuff. They may Mm -hmm. they they may say, okay, we need to talk about using the word enslave, and the reason I try not to use slave because enslave is a more appropriate term to use. But I Mm -hmm. think they may address that now because in this moment you see so much with white supremacy right and white supremacy just didn't start it 30 years ago or 40 years ago right it started 400 years ago when the country was formed and that's when white supremacy white supremacy and patriarchy started in this country 400 years ago and the reason i the reason i brought up patriarchy in and of itself is a separate item because it's something that still plagued america and also plagued the black community um Particularly, particularly with like women and black males and black women, black. Uh, I might not use the right word because there's this whole debate about female and women or, or female and woman. But I'm an engineer. I, I know about derivatives and calculus and integrals and all that. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> but I do know that they, there's a big debate, and I think sometimes we need to really kind of hone in on this whole patriarchy debate in the black community. Right. And certain certain topics we need to kind of address and we need to meet these things head on because um, exactly. it can hold us back. Exactly. And so that's the reason I brought it out between white supremacy mm-hmm. and patriarchy because it, it, it's a real thing. Some, but sometimes I do know like for myself in media or some opportunities I may have, I may have to go in that door to get in the door. Mm. Right. Oh yeah. Totally understandable. But when you said it, I was like, let me circle back to that. Cause that's very interesting because mm-hmm. There's going to, if we keep, and not you, but just in general, if we stop using terminology, if we stop teaching how to cook in a pit, there's going to be a void in African-American children that, because we're not teaching about slavery in school anymore. We're not teaching about what the African-American contribute to this country outside of food, even in engineering, even in astronomy, you know, there's so many things. And if we don't keep it 
on our tongue and in our griot. So we're telling our children that it's going to be lost because it's not in the video. It's not in the Xbox. I mean, the, the term that we use in our community, I don't want to say it. We used to use this word called in-rigging. In-rigging. <laughs> I'm going to leave it like that. I'm going to leave it like that. I'm gonna leave it like that. Maybe y'all can read between the lines. <laughs> they, I'm gonna say they use they use that way I'm from. I don't know if they use that way y'all from. Y'all may be a little more sophisticated, a little more educated. And so because of that, <laughs> one time I was at work and I I put something together. I just you know I, I whatever I made something happen and they were like, oh well, how did you do that? And I wanted so bad to say that. And I was like, you can't say that to these people. No, you can't. Like, yeah, you can't. No. You cannot say that to these people. I was like, you know, I just figured it out. But that is a word. Y'all good, because them jokers at my job already know now. Because I had to tell them a couple of times, leave your ethnic jokes at home with your ethnic family. Because once you open the door, I'm there. When you open the door, and they open it, and all best spin off ever since. Now that ain't how that go down. Y'all got involved. Mm, I can't. I'm sorry. I, sorry I got off task, but no, we need to kind of tell those stories and right. all those I think like um with with my own personal story, uh I have to kind of take it a little more serious because a lot of people it's not many times you get to see an African American who worked for NASA and have a platform that I have, um, especially in the food and beverage industry. Um not necessarily in the beverage industry, but in the food space right now, right. It, it gives me the opportunity to be exposed to a lot of people. Exactly. And a lot of people may not, uh, young people may not get the opportunity to understand. So like, if I say like, I'm one of 20, in 2009, when I got my PhD, I was one of 20 African-Americans that earned a PhD in the mechanical engineering. That's right. a big deal. You're right. I mean, that's a huge deal. deal. Yeah. 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 We need to have a Don't show just talk young. about that. What mechanical engineers drink. Mm. I mean, could you even explain to us what exactly you do? So um, what I do currently in, um, as an engineer is like when we test rocket engines, you have all kind of fluid and mechanical systems. And so you like we want to make sure like if we have valves to turn on and off in the, in the facilities, like in your plumbing in your house, basically you're plumbing in your house. You want to make sure that is able to supply fuel to the rocket engine. Mm -hmm. um, okay. The other thing I do sometimes is like when we take when we test rocket engines, we need to get data off those rocket engines and better determine the performance. Mm -hmm. And so like like horse instead it wouldn't be called horsepower, called ISP. Mm -hmm. And so we better take like thrust and flow meter measurements to help and making sure those measurements are accurate. So uh, I do some calibration type work to make sure those uh, measurements are pretty accurate. Um, a couple of years ago, I did some technology development work in developing something called HDR, high-speed video cameras technology. It, was in the, it got to the prototype phase. And what HDR is for everybody is when you look on your phone, they have this, this thing called HDR on most of the smartphones. And it really helps bring light and dark backgrounds into play on your camera. And so sometimes you'll see a little thing and say HDR, and it really helps you with uh, when your lighting and stuff is not right. Is that high definition it, resolution? It, it stands for actually high dynamic range. High dynamic and range. Okay. Let me let me let me make, let me interpret and make it to, make it real for all of you all in the in the room. So 
when you go into a room at night, your eyes make adjustments and, and it make it in real time. So like say your bedroom is dark at night, your, your irises and stuff open up and your, your pupils open up. So therefore you can see like the bed, you can see the, the table so you don't kick your toe. But the camera technology don't have that because they got electronic sensors. And so you, you got to be able to, in, in any kind of electronic gadgetry, you try, you, in cameras in particular, you got to kind of like mimic that process in the human body. Oh. And so I, I will tell people all the time, the human body is the one of the most technological things in the world. Yeah, and so when true. I said I cook, when I cook barbecue, barbecue using my human, I basically use, I use the five senses to cook barbecue. Because wow. those things are pretty accurate. The hand is accurate. Um, your smell is accurate. Yeah, um, the sight is accurate. Like I could look at the hog over a certain time and kind of tell from experience. But the, the thing I will say is if I wasn't shown this practice, I had to learn from somebody. Or some people say apprentice. Right. I, I had to pay my dues under, the, under my father and other men like him to make sure I get this thing right. Um, and I what and one thing I would say, like it was a primarily male-dominated field for barbecue in the American South. Exactly. There, but there were a few there were a few women that cooked whole hog in my community. Um, it, it, one, one I'm gonna leave it like this: one of the individuals who cooked whole hog in my community, uh, the reason she did it, she was a bootlegger. Right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> did she have a good joint? She had a little juke joint. I, I, I don't know it for my time period, but I, all I would say is, for people who don't know what a bootlegger is, a bootlegger is a person who sells illegal liquor. They have they have something called liquor houses in the South. You have 50, you have quarter, you have, you sell like 50 and dollar cent shots, but it, they probably cost a little more now if they still exist. I, I, I'm not saying whether they exist or not, but, um, <laughs> But Talk I do know. But I'm, I'm not denying. I'm not. No, shot I'm houses not, in Virginia. <laughs> shot houses. But I, but what I what I say about those things is was important. That money made was made in the community and it stayed in the community. Exactly. 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 And exactly. so so like when we thought when we start thinking about civil rights and our whole rights of how we uh, funded that kind of stuff. The people, some of the unsung heroes were those same bootleggers, those same number runners, those same, I don't say all, they got some other stuff going on in those, them houses and stuff like that, but I'm going to say the bootleggers, the moonshiners, and the number runners funded probably, and some of the cooks, because also in these houses, they were serving, they were cooking food, whether it was barbecue or whatever, but they was funding these movements. Mm -mm. And they was a lot of unsung heroes. They they may not have been the people like Dr. King or Rosa Parks sitting on the bus, but they was like the silent heroes in the trenches or in the woods, making liquor or whatever to um, to help get us to our liberty. Well, we're not free yet, but mm. to kind of make progress. Exactly, exactly, man. That woo, because yeah, it was a dollar shot. And a beer, so you got a shot of liquor and a beer. In my side, I didn't want to say all. I didn't want to say all that because I ain't. I'm, I it's a, this a spirit show, so you can get a dollar <laughs> shot of moonshine and vodka and a beer. Oh, y'all have, have vodka? Okay, y'all fancy. 
Oh, that's the, uh, yeah, yeah, wait, 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 Dr. Collins, hold up. That's when I was old enough to realize that they was doing it. It was like, okay, that's that. And I'm not even gonna call the brand, but yeah. Yeah, that was in the plastic bottle. That probably was in the plastic bottle, <laughs> not the glass bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a spirit show. I mean, I'm sorry, this is not a exactly. wine show. I mean, I talk so wine, but but I mean, I want to give you, since y'all asked me to come doing grilling month, this stuff is yeah. ties directly into grilling. Sure. Exactly. Um, it, it, I mean, it fundamentally ties into the grilling. You got a question, Zine? Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about um, like the muscadine wine and like the wine, the fruit wine and those kind of traditions in the South? Do you know much about them? Yeah, I mean, I know. <laughs> Do I, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm that's so outside of my what, knowledge. What what what's so like so like it's a it's a seasonal product though. It's like a fall. You can't get those grapes until like the fall of the year. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So so like everybody generally had in like your grandmother's house. So they always had like these big grape bushes. And they had on like these big trellises in the backyard, and you kind of go. They kind of had them in a frame structure, almost like a little. I'm trying to think of the word now that they have any people backyards. Uh, not a taranga. It start with a T, I think. Tarek, no, perugula. A like trellis. A, like a trellis or a perugula, and uh, uh, basically they have a pergola. Pergola. A pergola. pergola. Uh -huh. it, so for the fancy people of the, of the 2020 era. <laughs> <laughs> and so they they would have these grape vines, and they would actually have these, and they would harvest these grapes, and then they will take them back to the house, and they will make wine in the houses. And um, some people sell it. They would make, they would take like yeast, like um, I, they didn't necessarily do natural wines. From what I understand, they took like bread yeast, the baker's yeast, and and make use that as their bacteria source instead of yeah. like one of our friends, Chris the Scruggs. Who I'm waiting to I'm, I I joined her wine and her wine list. Wine. Yeah, she's a friend of podcast. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I have I'm kind of right kinda... here. A little plug for y'all. Hold up. This is one of her cans. Oh, oh she comes to DC. Can... Yeah, she's coming to see us. Close I bought them. I be on her. I'm on her mailing list, so I'd be ready. I got on her mailing list. I got the four bottle mailing list, but I didn't know you could buy the cans. I thought you had to be in Vermont to get the cans. No, it okay. was like a small right. release. I got some cans and I joined the wine club. I got some extra. I'll save some. <laughs> okay, right. you don't, wor don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I did join the wine club. I got the four bottle wine club. I'm I'm supporting. I'm I'm in there. Um, I already paid. I'm waiting for my stuff to come out. But um, <laughs> I am excited. But like the natural yeast, fer the natural fermentation process, I'm really interested in seeing. I, I plan to probably go up to her. Uh, Vineyard, Zaffer Vineyards in Vermont to kind of see that um, process, see how she do it. Mm -hmm. Plan to go up there in September, I think. But uh, but people will make wine in the fam in the family, and they will. Some people might sell it, and they generally it was just a seasonal product. It was pretty okay. straightforward because you you don't take much. I mean, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of wine, a little bit of uh, grapes, and a little bit of bread bread yeast. Um, Janine, cool. you might have heard of Duplin Wines, D-U-P-L-I-N, mm -hmm. which is the county 
in New oh, Orleans. Duplin County, so yeah. that's the county that my family is from. That's where my mama was born. That's how I know about that thing. We oh might God. really be related. Okay, oh that's back to Dr. I say this all the time, Glennis. Wait, aren't you both from New Jersey too? Exactly. You don't talk about this. You don't talk about this offline. But yes, that's, crazy. That's, that's, that's a great migration for y'all, though. Mm -hmm. it, it, very much so, Dr. Commons. Very much so. Because yeah. my grandmother's cousins and sis cousins and sis migrated to Jersey, and that's how the rest of us got there. Yep, and my oh. grandmother had 15 brothers and sisters, and we all know oh. where some of them are. So. Oh, we related. I mean, the great migration is a real thing. Um, I have a lot of family like Baltimore who left, and generally when people left for certain communities, they ended up, like if somebody from Dublin County ended up in New Jersey, whether they were family or not, they, they their pockets would be, people follow, and they help get those people right. started. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, and, they, and once they get established, then they start going, coming back down south and grabbing. And you ain't <laughs> never lied, because I was yeah. on trips back and forth now, 95. <laughs> My mother's standing here laughing now. She is kick, kick, because she can't. I was like, do we got to get in this car again? And then they tried to bring everything back to the north. All the spices, the meat, and to put in them deep freezers you talked about, which we couldn't get in the north. They, we, I was in the car like this. <laughs> so my, 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 my grandparents used to send a lot of stuff because they, they was the ones who stayed. We My grandparents stayed, so <laughs> they used to send a lot of stuff. Like, both of my grandparents um, used to send, like, a whole, like, one was, one of my grandparents used to hustle hams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told it, and they put them in cool, put all this stuff in coolers, pack it in ice and sit this, oh, wow. This is just. So, um, I but, but then my, my, my other side of family, my they took they took care of each other. If we were down here farming, they, we took care of our uh, family up north in, during the Great Migration mm -hmm. as best as we could, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And when they come home, when they came home, they got what? That, I mean, that's the ultimate expression of love, but it was also survival. I mean, yep. we were producing stuff on the land, and so it, it was cheap for us to produce it. Exactly. And we had to kill three or four extra hogs to better put stuff to send something up north. Right. That was. That was kind of the accepted practice, and um, I hope through the, the reason, part of the reason I did this discussion, this thing with you all, I hope through some of my work that we kind of bridge this urban-rural divide. Oh yes, mm, yeah. Because we we it's a conversation that we have to have. I don't I can't tell you much about the North honestly because I don't really have a I never lived there, so there's a whole different dynamic, and I would mm -hmm. never want to tell anybody about the North. I mean, I may tell y'all, uh, somebody about the North, about like how the barbecue tradition maybe look up there but, and what things y'all see in the barbecue sauce or the, the rib joints or the rib shack and how that pertain related back to the South. But I'm not going to tell you how I live there, but I can tell you about how I live in the rural South. I can speak to that. I know that. And and I will always speak to that. But I think there's a there's opportunities for um, the community survival the rural and urban connection is very is 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 key. We can't forget about people in rural areas, um, and they could do things that we can't do. And uh, I think there's a beautiful relationship. And during the Great Migration, a lot, there was a strong relationship between the, the rural and urban areas, mm -hmm. even though it maybe it was unofficial, not recognized, but it was one of the things that helped us survive. Exactly, they help people survive in their 
in their urban areas and help people survive in their rural areas. Exactly. That's like you uh, they probably look up to the north too from the south. Well, what oh, sure. are you talking about? Especially them chicken sandwiches. I didn't want to say that, but especially them <laughs> chicken is. sandwiches wrapped in wax paper in them pieces of white bread. <laughs> Uh, I, have a, I have a barbecue question. I have a, um, do you have any tips for us who are just barbecuing in our backyard? Yeah, so. Um, On propane grills. Let's be real. Oh. Let's be real. I can't talk about that one. I don't, web, web, I don't, web. You might well cook. Why you don't cook in the oven? I do that too, but it takes us to, you know what? Okay, I thought you was my friend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, if you don't cook my propane, you might want to cook. Wood chips under the thing so I get a little smoke. Something to do, Dr. She gonna burn her house. Down. I mean, it's on the grill. I mean, the I, it's on the grill outside. But I, I personally, if I'm gonna cook on a grill in the backyard, I'm all about charcoal, like. Okay. There doesn't like a little charcoal yeah. um, hot dog. I don't like boiled hot dogs in water. I'll like eat. I rather grill. I rather grill it with some Kingsford charcoal. What I would say is, um, play around with like Kingsford charcoal or lump charcoal. Mm -hmm. it, it's a little different heat, but the the taste is different. Um, the other thing I would think for is like meat wise. Um, Start, people need to start cooking whole whole chickens and stuff instead of like whole mm -hmm. packs of ribs and the reason, uh, whole packs of wings because like when you get a 20 pack of wing, wings the last time I checked a chicken only has two wings how about that so so when you cook 20 wings then you got 10 chickens out there mm. and, and therefore you therefore to get that kind of demand you got to have commercial operations. But um, other tips I would say for like grilling is um, meat selection is critical. The better quality meat you buy, and what I mean by that is like if you could kind of know your farmer, that's mm -hmm. a better product for you. I don't think the true story of commodity products has been truly understand in how it's reacting in the body because they put a lot of antibiotics in those animals. And um, if we have privileges and we can afford to buy better quality meat, we should. We should. I think you, your body is your most important asset. Exactly. More so than your house. So exactly. I will mm -hmm. say if you had the opportunity and you can afford better quality meat, do that if you can. Um, also think about like grilling vegetables. Um, I'm a big proponent of grilling vegetables, like either Brussels sprouts. I don't even know why my parents didn't want me to eat Brussels sprouts growing up, but I really like grilled Brussels they sprouts. Little cabbages, they yeah. mm -hmm. they little cabbages. Yeah. Little cabbages. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they didn't. Maybe they couldn't grow them in the South. That maybe what it was. It, it, I don't know. Back to the economics. How many is being fed when we could get a full cabbage, chop sure. that up, and make a whole... Back yeah, to the economics. Right. I think, yeah, I think right that's it. That. Um, other, other grilling tips is like... Um, so when I was on Man Fire Food, I, we don't have to have... 20 seasonings in a in a meat in a rub. I think you can get by with five. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you keep we, we try to do too too much to the to mm -hmm. the meat product or do too much to the recipe. And it doesn't require all that. If you think of how our grandmothers and mothers and grandfathers cooked, they didn't have all those ingredients, but they definitely had some herbs in that pot though. Right. They yeah. definitely had the herbs and the fresh herbs, not and like this dried. 
mm-hmm. the dry mm-hmm. stuff we have. So yeah. I think we, I mean, those will be some of my biggest tips is like try to do like fresh herbs as possible. Mm. Nice. And quality, and quality meat. Excellent. So, so we be coming over. <laughs> y'all, y'all can pull up. Y'all can pull. As long as y'all bring some good wine, I guess. I mean, <laughs> we can be like six cook. feet apart in your backyard. Exactly. <laughs> but you got to get rid of that gas grill, though. I, I can't come and cook. No, that's gas me. Grill. We going. To- oh, I got charcoal grill. She yeah. got, that's why okay. I said we coming to her house. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure, like, I, I, I just don't I'm cook a on gas. I can make you the best scampi ever. I ain't doing, I ain't messing, I, I, I ain't doing all that. Okay. <laughs> I would give, if you was in, like, Chicago, I might would have let you get a pass. I'm in D.C. No, I'm in uh, Maryland. In a town But it's not that, it's, it's not that cold in D.C. like that. Like Chicago, I might say, you know what? You ain't got time to let that charcoal get lit. You talk about work. I ain't doing all that. <laughs> See, that's what's wrong with y'all folks. That's what's wrong with y'all folks. I'd rather go to somebody else's house or find a man who want to stoke the... Go ahead, baby. Stoke what, what else you need? Because I got the size in here. What size you need? <laughs> I'm gonna cook this sweet potatoes and I'm calling. I ain't gonna cook no cabbage because I'll make soup out of it because that's another issue. But if you get it, got you. Make sure your shoes straight. I saw them red bottom sneakers you had on that video. That's my job. Yeah, yeah, those. Yeah, my wife was like, "Yeah, you get some new shoes for TV. You're not, you're not going there with some busted TV. You're not busted. You're not going there with some busted sneakers." Mm. Yeah, I told him, I tell him. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Good. So, Dr. Kanye is like, where can everybody follow you? And do you have anything else coming up? Um, let's see. I'm on my. I'm most active on Insta. Well, I'm probably more active on Facebook, but like, um, I've been transitioning to Instagram. Carolina Cunola underscore PhD. Uh, my personal website is howardconyers.com. Sometimes I put very interesting um, art articles on barbecue history and culture on my personal website. Um, the project that I'm most excited about that I started two years ago is called Gumbo Jubilee. Well, Gumbo Jubilee. And the reason I, is a is an event where I was trying to do something to honor the contribution across the, recognize the contribution in the African diaspora. And um, what was more important for me with that, I wanted to honor people in the food and beverage industry because there was not recognition for us, black folks, mm-hmm. that centered us. Like, no need to be like one in a crowd and being tokenized mm-hmm. um, and got to like, and all those side, like, I'm, just to be honestly, so, what I have seen in media and what I have seen in the food and beverage industry, the people who get recognized they don't always, it, we got to focus on black folks, but right. we also, sometimes we may have to recognize somebody white. Right. But right. we shouldn't be, but because but, they always help us, somebody probably help us along the way. But also I have seen a recognition of in the food space is if you're a certain size, you may not get a certain attention. Hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's colorism issues. That's a whole other thing. But, but like, there's a size issue. Oh, and you can be like really talented. And I think like 
my mom is not the smallest person and she's not the biggest person. So it, it never really registers to me. But I have start as I start to look at across the food industry and I see who's represented in on media, it don't represent everybody. Um mm-hmm. we use this term we used to use this term called big bone. It wasn't necessarily fat or obese people, they were just big bone people. Um I don't know if that I don't know if they said they had big bones, but that's but that was the word we used to describe them. But they was my, I mean, my mom, I love my mom, and so and when I see somebody, I, I judge them based on the character, their gifts and talents, not based on their size. And I think mainstream media um, sometimes get caught up in like looks, um, being in clicks. I'm focusing on the work, and I, I want to pick people who are doing amazing work, who I think are, deserve recognition. Because if we don't recognize ourselves, nobody else will. And I just seen in the food and beverage industry, we are kind of like a second thought unless we are a token. And I don't, I think we need to be proud of who we are and what we do in this industry. And, and we need to do it from not just the food and beverage people. We need to do it from the farmer also to the, um, the media people. Yeah. And so, so the gumbo, so I do a set of awards called the gumbo Jubilee awards and I hope to be able to, I'm going to do it this year, this fall in a virtual format that people recognize different people across the country. I, the first two years, the, two years ago, I, I selected three people. This year, the selection has pretty much been made. And I hope when those particular people, I hope that be in a position to be able to work with those individuals to help cultivate, and well, they help me cultivate to become even more leaders in their space and give them like more advanced training because sometimes in the industry, we you, people I have seen people think about things a little different. I'm an engineer and tech thing. I'm an engineer-minded person, but in the food and media industry, sometimes you have to start thinking about intellectual property, uh, tax lawyers or accountants. We got to we got to really think. This is a business world. We're in America, unfortunately. So since we're in America, we live in a capitalistic society. There are certain rules that we have to play by, and we need to understand that we are a business. I mean, this is a business out here. It's not like it's a we can be operating it's at the back true. of our house. And so, like, I want us to kind of go to the next level and, and own our stuff. Like, I really want us to own our own our brand, own our stuff. And um, that's partly because I, because of my background. Uh, growing up in the South Carolina, my parents, the family necessarily have thousands of thousands of acres, but they always try to tell us to own our land. And try to get more dirt because they're not making more of it. But um, and I kind of translate that to different things whether I'm working in media because it gives you a certain leverage, a certain ability to le- leverage and get things you might not. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we don't understand certain things like I'm learning money every day. You don't money shouldn't define you, but you need to understand how money works. It's, you have to understand how finance and accounting work. If you want to have a successful business, because most people who people of color who have businesses, it's the finance and accounting that get them caught up and they lose it. Mm. Correct. So, so the people I select, people I recognize, I want to make sure that they have that not that advanced knowledge. Um, mm. I don't have it. I'm a, I mean, I'm not gonna tell you I'm, a, I'm an expert in everything, but I do what I have learned through the PhD process. If you don't know it you go out and find that individual. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. 
And when you go to a school like the Duke University, they teach you that. They tell you that you mm-hmm. you find the people in your network. Yeah, exactly. So well, that, that was awesome. probably not why I related, but I thought that oh. may be helpful for. No, it, yeah, team. it's very helpful. And it goes across all industries. Yeah, it's something that we needed yeah. to hear. Mm-hmm. Any other questions for Dr. Conyers <laughs> or any last thoughts before we log off? <laughs> I want to say thank you so much for um, your time. And this has just been extremely uh, enlightening and nourishing for the soul. And we really thank you for taking the time um, and that you chose to be with us tonight. So thank you so much. Ditto. Absolutely. It is always a pleasure to be around you ladies who have always held me down and Dr. Conyers, you held me down too. So I just am so grateful to have that, people like y'all that are like <laughs> there for me throughout like my budding journey. And thank you so much for inviting me on. No problem, cousin. <laughs> <laughs> y'all probably are cousins. I mean, shoot. Exactly. You might never get probably killed. are. <laughs> you probably are, but no, all jokes all aside, thanks for having me. Uh, I enjoy being in this group of space with uh, wine people. Um, I'm slowly getting to know the beverage side of the world, and it's very fascinating to me because I, I like the reason I like the beverage side of the world, it, it kind of ties. With, the more and more I learn about it, the science side of me is attracted to it. Sure. Yeah. It's just all science to me, it's chemistry, it all in science. biology. That, that's all it is. Chemistry mm-hmm. and history put together, and yeah, then that's what beverage and that whole thing is. And if you have any questions, like one of us is going to have the answer. So, right. Just reach <laughs> out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Exactly. Thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll take that if I need that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. Everybody stay safe. Yeah. Know? Everybody stay safe. Yeah. That's all right, real. Y'all. Well, everybody have a good day.